Hey, good morning, everybody. It is so good to see your faces. You guys can grab a seat. How was everyone's Christmas? Yeah, good. Yeah, still some New Year's. Everyone's doing all right. Everyone has hopeful anticipation for this year. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, or, or not? You you still here? Good, good. Um, well, it is awesome to see you back. It is it is genuinely so great to see your faces and so wonderful to be here with you. And um, to those that are joining us online this morning as well, a big big welcome to you as well. Um, while my computer sorts itself out, why don't you turn to someone and say hi, do a quick check-in. If there's a massive gap between you and the next person, why don't you like shimmy along and... (laughs) Okay, right, you guys are all off now. You've missed each other, that's awesome. Some of you are making new friends. That is great. (laughs) These ones are really stoked to see each other. (laughs) Hey, um, my name's Julia, if I haven't met you guys before, and um, I'm part of the team here at Life Church. And and one of the things that I I got to last year was I got to be part of the team that helped coordinate Christmas Box. Now, Christmas Box is... um, an awesome, awesome thing that we get to do as a church. We partner with other churches to do it nationally. And we were part of packing and distributing over 2,900 food boxes to help supplement meals for a family for a week to over 35 different organizations who work with some of the most vulnerable and need in our city. Now, it is amazing and it is incredible the organizations that we get to pass these along to. um, I was talking to a police officer recently who was able to have one in the back of his car and as he came across a family, he was able to give them a Christmas box. Like, how amazing is that? These police officers who are seeing people in some of the worst case scenarios right before Christmas and being able to be a blessing to them. You know, St. John's, the Kidney Society, organizations that work with kids whose parents are in prison, like the Veteran Society, like such a massive, massive range of organizations that are so, so thankful to be able to receive and distribute these Christmas boxes. Now, last year, like so many other things in 2021, we had a whole lot of challenges and a whole lot of changes that we had to work through to make it happen. We were in a new packing venue, the product got delayed and couldn't make shipping schedules. We shifted packing days and many of you were involved with it and got all the emails and you were so flexible and amazing in doing whatever it took to make sure that it happened so that these families could get these Christmas boxes. Now, one of the days that I was talking to one of the guys at the venue that we were at, and he had been helping to unload the pallets of food as they'd arrived throughout the week and the leading up to it. And he was asking about what it was we were doing and, and what all this food was for. And then as we were chatting, he said to me, do you, do you find that it's just hard to find good people anymore? It's like, I, I just find that everyone's always just out for what they can get from you or how they can make money out of you. I was like, wow, are you really feel that? And he's like, yeah. I was like, no, I don't feel that at all. I'm like, man, let me tell you 
about the ones that I've just had here packing Christmas boxes that have been willing to shift schedules and do whatever it takes to make it work to be able to do this, to give these to people that they're potentially never going to personally meet, but because they know that these people are loved and deserve to be able to have enough food at Christmas. And he was so blown away by that. And as we kept chatting about it, and he was asking me more about what we did and what we did as a church, I was able to say to him, we have a lot of hope for humanity. At the time, we were talking about hope and Christmas and all these things at church, but this wasn't a phrase that I had used before. And as it came out of my mouth, I felt the weight of it in my heart as I said it. We have a lot of hope for humanity. We have incredible hope in Jesus. Mm. And because of that hope, we have a lot of hope for humanity. And as I thought about it, I realized that not everyone has that. We can have hope for our lives, and we can have hope for the people that we love. But our faith in Jesus also means that we carry a deep hope for all humanity. As we learn more about Jesus, we see that time and time again, he loves to take take those that others have written off as too broken, too hard, too dirty, too far away, too radical, too much of a sinner, and then calls them to follow him and does something amazing in their lives. God changed Saul, a persecutor and murderer of Christians in the early church, into Paul, one of the most influential missionary leaders of the church. Jesus healed the woman with the issue of blood who had been untouchable for 12 years. Jesus called Matthew the tax collector, one of the most despised and distrusted people within the culture at the time, to follow him and to learn of the deep love and plan that he had for all people. But then it's not just individuals, but people groups as well. In John 4, 39-42, after Jesus had revealed himself to the Samaritan woman at the well, it says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. And the amazing thing is, is that he continues to do it through history and is still doing it today. Part of my role here at church is to be in relationship with the global teams that we're partnered with. And in November, I got an update from the team and the church in Angosh, Mozambique. They were holding a marriage seminar. A hundred of their leaders attended with their spouses. And in the middle of one of the sessions the police suddenly arrived. So imagine the scenario, and then the police come in. It was a police escort for the administrator of the district of Angosh, who was having a meeting with other influential influential people in town at the time. 
He and the Secretary of Religious Affairs from Nampala and the Angosh Hospital Director came spontaneously to stand in front of the leaders and thank them for all they do for the people of Angosh, especially for the poor and the sick. It was incredible and very moving for the team. They have stood on the hill overlooking Angosh many times. For many years, they have prayed that they would not just be a church for believers, but be a movement that blesses the entire city and the region because of what Jesus has done for them. And they're seeing that. 30 years ago, this was a work that was birthed in prayer as God led people to an unreached people group off the island of Buzu. Recently, the assistant director of the prison has come to faith and asked the church to bring not just food, but to teach the word of God in prison. The director of the radio station that broadcasts their daily messages, which started due to the COVID restrictions, has said that he wants to follow Jesus. The director of public works in Angosh has begun to follow Jesus. And on the 30th of October, 719 people were baptized. It's amazing, isn't it? You know, early last year, you might remember that there were massive famines in this region. COVID restrictions and fishing restrictions, which meant that some of the most vulnerable in their communities, particularly widows and children, were literally dying of starvation and other health issues in the streets. There was no help available. There was nothing extra. The believers in Angosh committed to doing whatever they could to love and serve in this time, even when they had very little themselves. Because of the M3 and this church's faith, people's faithful giving, we were able to send extra financial support that helped release them to do this. People were deeply impacted that they were willing and made the national news to feed both Muslims and Christians in one of the most challenging times they had faced, and it spoke volumes to people. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to send teams for a while to many of our global mission partners. We are hanging out to go, right, Lorraine? Lorraine is ready to get on a plane at any point she can, and I know that many of you are ready and willing to go as well. And they would desperately love for us to come. They message me regularly asking for teams. Last year, as a church, though, we were able to support a lot of local mission, and we were also able to give over $100,000 to those working in nations where there was no support otherwise. Helping not only the church in Mozambique to feed those most vulnerable during famines, but also the churches and outreaches in Thailand and Southern Asia as they continue to minister and disciple those who otherwise wouldn't have had an opportunity to hear about Jesus. Feeding and loving those that were already living on less than $5 a day, who have lost the ability to run their small businesses and have no government support. Why? Because Jesus has given us incredible hope, and we have a lot of hope for humanity. You don't have to watch the news for long or Google much to see the incredible pain that exists in the world. Sometimes it's easy to let prayers become, God, why aren't you doing something? I often hear the whisper kindly back, I did, it's in you, what are you doing with it? Now, don't get me wrong, I know that God is still at work and he hasn't abdicated full responsibility to us, but he has entrusted us with more than we are sometimes willing to take responsibility for. 
A quote I had on my wall for many years said, if we would understand the potential power of our prayers, we would be on our knees a hundred times a day and ask him for things that would turn the world upside down. Because God loves to turn things upside down in the best way possible, doesn't he? Who knew it was possible to walk on water, to turn water into wine, miraculously reproduce bread and fish to feed thousands, raise the dead, heal the sick, turn walking sticks into snakes, part the seas, bring down walls with trumpet shouts, deliver prophets to nations and whales, refloat axe heads, continually pour an oil jug without refilling it, bring fresh springs of water from a rock, to name just a few out-of-the-box answers to prayer. God did. How much more is God wanting to do things that we think are impossible in people's lives and in the nations? We see that God is willing throughout the whole of Scripture, calling people and nations. I recently started to read through Genesis through the Old Testament again, and I'm currently in Leviticus, and I was talking with a friend recently, and they said, good on you, can you read that one for all of us? And they're right, some of it can be a challenge to understand the world and the context, but what I've been reminded of is God's willingness to pursue us and his incredible holiness and the process that had to be undertaken that couldn't happen lightly to be able to enter into God's presence. He wants people to encounter him, but we can struggle to understand the fullness of his holiness, the cleaning, the sacrifice, the repentance needed. And I've decided that holiness is something that most of us are going to forever to struggle to get our heads around this side of eternity, me included, right? Do I have any friends? But if we are willing to try, it can leave us with a beautifully overwhelming sense of the incredible wonder and unmatched power of God. I came across this illustration that I found helpful when I was trying to understand it more. It's as if you've been invited into this beautiful home, grand sweeping staircases flowing down to the most beautiful marble floor, handcrafted Persian rugs at the bottom of the stairs, sparkling and clean. And as you enter in, you look down and realize that you've got mud on your shoes. And as you look back, it's a trail everywhere that you've walked since the entry. And as you start to try and do whatever you can to clean it up in the moment, a little bit of panic ensues. Oh no, what have I done? God's presence, his holiness is the very essence of love. It is the goodness in the purest of form. It's all consuming and overwhelming. It exposes our dirt, any selfishness. And whatever has stuck to us as we've walked through life and found out as we found our way to him. But because of Jesus, we can now walk in like it's our parents' house and we're coming home. The familiarity as we look down and see the mud and see the trail of footprints, our response can be, Dad, I've got a problem. Can you please help me? Can we clean it up? We can experience God doing a deep work in our lives. We can know that no one is off limits to God. Anyone can now walk into God's presence like this guy. We got (laughs) him. 
And because of Jesus, he's never gonna hold himself back from us. We get to his experience, his love, and his goodness, goodness personally in our lives. He then offers us the hope of being able to view our present in light of the final outcome. In the book of Revelation, God pulls back the curtain to give us a glimpse of what we can hold on to. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding up palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Revelation 7, 9 to 10. Jesus, the lamb, the sacrifice is the one sitting on the throne and we get the opportunity to worship, to declare with thankfulness what he has done for every nation, tribe and person in his presence, clean without any mud or shame. We know that kingdoms and empires will continue to rise and fall and the question will be asked, what or who is Lord? Each year, an extensively researched list of nations that face the most persecution to follow Jesus is released. This year's one was released last week. Currently, more than 360 million Christians face high to extreme levels of persecution and discrimination for their faith. That's one in seven worldwide, a significant increase on last year. It means they are often facing violence, loss of family, property, and finance, to name just a few things. For the last 20 years, North Korea has been at the nation at the top of the list, but that now sits at number two, as Afghanistan has now taken its place as the most dangerous place in the world to be a Christian. Even in these places, God continues to work and call people to himself. He has incredible hope for humanity. We can learn from them and we can continue to pray with them. When you see it on the news or it pops up, wherever some good things to pray, uh, pray that the persecuted Christians will remain steadfast, finding strength in Christ and sharing the gospel no matter the cost. Pray that those who persecute the Christians will come to know the love of Jesus for themselves and have a radical transformation. And we can praise God that even in the face of persecution, and we don't pray for persecution, but we can be faithful in it, that people will continue to find faith in Jesus. We're partnered with believers in a nation on this list where they are regularly facing opposition to their faith. But I'm inspired by the courage and the power that prayer has to change things. I got an update from one of the team recently. He was a young man who's continuously faced regular and intense persecution, including threats of murder by his head man. Recently, he returned to his village. He was pleasantly surprised on this visit to have no opposition, no threats, no anger directed towards him, a first for the whole of last year. He had young people with him everywhere he went, like little shadows, the young kids who believe just love and look up to him so much. They follow him and join him wherever and whatever his work he is doing. So with his band of kids, and teens that he, they went and helped a non-believing relative carry logs and plants from the forest up to the mountain, up the mountain to the village. 
the guy he was helping said to him, I've been so discouraged by life, by COVID, by no work and no income, that I felt as if there is no hope left for us. But you have all shown me love, and that has given me hope. Isn't there power in that? By faithfully loving the people around us and serving them. Amazingly, this family is now open to hearing more about their creator. Romans 5.5 says, And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We can trust in the full context of Scripture that God is working, and we have been entrusted with a season to see his kingdom come, and we look with hopeful anticipation to the day when we see it in all its fullness. As we encounter more and more the love of God, our deep hope for what he can do in people's lives will increase. Team, can you come back? Hope creates within us endurance to hold the course, to stay focused, to stay loving, to hold on to Jesus, trusting in the God that can answer prayer in ways that is outside of the box. Knowing that this life is not the final destination, this has always been the hope of the church and will continue to be. When the church in Thessalonica was struggling to hold the course, Paul reminded them that he remembers before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. We continue to be the church that believes in his power to save, that carries hope, that endures in every season, that views the present and light of eternity and believes that no one is beyond salvation, that nothing is impossible for him. So let's determine that this year we won't become complacent about the privilege that it is to freely enter into his presence and the freedom we have to be able to do that. Holding unswervingly to the hope we have in Jesus and the incredible hope that he has for humanity. Ephesians 1.18 says, I pray that your heart will be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people. Now, I think that that's a great prayer for us to be praying, that the eyes of our hearts will be enlightened in order that we know the hope to which he has called us. Church, would you stand with me? You know, this morning as we gather again and we spend time in God's presence, let's allow the Holy Spirit some room to remind us of the life-changing hope that we have. You know, this morning as I was praying for the service, I really felt that there was someone here this morning that when you saw that person covered in mud, You went, that's me. That's how I feel like I'm coming into the presence of God. And I want to encourage you this morning that His love is overwhelming for you. 
and that you can't comprehend it by now, but you can lean into it. And he is just going to continually reveal himself in the deep love that he has for you. You know, church, I don't know what this week is going to bring, but I want us in this time that we have to put everything else aside and go, God, how do I carry this deep hope that you have for humanity in my life this week? How can I sprinkle it into the conversations that I have? How can it lead me to pray? How can it help me to encounter you more and to share this incredible hope with those around me? Lord, in this moment, we just take the opportunity to position ourselves again and say, God, will you let us be about the Father's business? God, will you shift our hearts to beat in time with yours? The things that burden your heart, Lord, will you let those be the things that burden our heart? Father, the things that are distracting us or taking our focus away from the things that are important, Lord, will you expose them for what they are? And Lord, will you reveal in our lives right now What are the things that are most important? Where and how are you calling us? And fill us afresh, Lord. Lord, may we be overwhelmed again by your love and your faithfulness, your goodness and your presence. And may our hearts be thankful for the salvation that we've found in Jesus. Amen.